This is the Mosaic Church Podcast. Mosaic Church is committed to making disciples that discover Christ, connect in Christian community, and serve others and the world. Hey, today we have a special guest. Uh, You may not know him, but uh, and maybe some of you have been there long enough. Anybody recognize Corey? Raise your hand. There's a few hands. Look at that. Uh, Corey was part of our ministry way back. We did, we did the math. It's like 16 years ago. Yeah. And it does not seem like 16 years has passed. Uh, Corey uh, was on our worship team uh, in our campus ministry and church, right? You did both? Yeah. Yep. And so we're just really blessed. He's gone off to get an education. Um, uh, got married, has two wonderful children. And so we're really excited to him. He came in uh, one time a few months back and he wanted to give me some golf lessons and then he gave up uh, giving me lessons. And so, but he's, he's a phenomenal golfer. But uh, during that time, we really got to hear his heart and we, I just like, you know, it'd be really great if our Mosaic Church could hear him out. And we're asking the Lord to use him to minister to us. So let's give Corey a nice hand. All right, thanks man. You guys hear me okay? We good? All right, perfect. Well, uh, thank you for having me. This is uh, quite a treat for me and uh, my family. Julie's with me. She's my wife and our oldest son, Bennett. He's three and a half. Is he back there? Yeah, there he is. I think we have a picture of him up here. Um, That was us, I think, Easter Sunday at our home church. And that's Bennett on top. And our little guy, Eli, is back home with with his Mimi. Um, So we kind of came with Bennett yesterday and got away for a while. But... It's a pleasure to be here. What a church this is. When I walked in, I was just like, oh my goodness, this is just rich already. And then I get here and what a worship team. And uh, I just felt the presence of God here uh, just really uniquely this morning. And um, Mario and Robin, what awesome pastors you have in their entire family. I mean, uh, to serve in ministry over decades and to be, you know, a long devotion in the same direction is so unique. And to see that continue to be played out year after year. So let's give them a hand, really. That's, that's very sad. Um, like Mario said, I, I met him around 2006. Um, funny story with that. So first of all, I've got a broken ankle. So I'm going to be sitting down if that's okay with you. And I'm almost out of the woods there. Um, but uh, I came over in 2006 to look for an apartment because I was going to Florida State. And my mom came with me and we had been all over town and couldn't find anything all day. And so we finally come to this last stop and we're like, this is it. We just need to go if, if this is not it. And, and right before we get there, there was this little block building. It was a little Assembly of God church. And no lie, my mom looks at it and she's like, that's where you're going to go to church. I was like, there's no way I'm going to that church. So we, so we keep going and uh, I end up signing a lease at that apartment complex and come back a couple weeks later for, uh, for classes and I see a, a Kyle booth on campus. I didn't know anything about it. So I talked to some folks and ended up coming to a service and lo and behold, I go to Chi Alpha and it's that little block, Assembly of God Church, where this church started. Um, so that's why I met Mario. Um, like you said, I was able to leave worship for a few semesters and then uh, went on a mission trip with him to Ecuador, I think in 2007, um, which was just an awesome time. And uh, Mario's one of those guys where he's like the same, whether things are falling apart or whether it's like you know, on a mountaintop kind of deal. And I remember a few times on that trip, I was like, this is, are we all right here? You know, we're getting stopped by militia people. We're on these little boats going up river for like 10 miles. I'm like, Mario's fine. So I guess we're good. I didn't know any better, but um, anyway, that was a good, good time. And we've kept in touch through the years and, and uh, I don't know, it's just an honor for me to be here. So 
Uh, today, if I had to title this, it would be called Kindness, the Story of Mephibosheth. And I know when you're eating your breakfast this morning and drinking your coffee that you're like, man, I, I hope he speaks on Mephibosheth today. Um, it's not a well-known story, but it is one of the most beautiful pictures of grace in the Old Testament. And uh, it captured my heart the first time I read it 20 years ago when I came to Christ. I didn't know anything about the Bible or anything about what it was saying, but it spoke to me. And I hope it does you today. If you want to go ahead and open up the second Samuel chapter nine. And as you turn, I just want to share a few things. Like I said, it, rec it records the story of Mephibosheth. He's the son of Jonathan and the grandson of Saul. That's important to point out a few things about the background of King Saul and King David. If you've read any of the Old Testament, you've heard those names at some point um, to better understand the significance of the story of Mephibosheth. You see, King David was a shepherd boy. He was the youngest son of this guy named Jesse. And back in those days, the prophet would come and anoint the new king of Israel. And at that time, King Saul was already the king. He was already established and strong. And Samuel, God spoke to him and said, go anoint the new king. And, and Samuel was a little reluctant because King Saul was powerful. It was, he was already established in his kingdom. But long story short, he goes and he anoints David king. He calls him out of the, uh, the field tending to sheep and anoints him king, and Saul is intrigued by this. So he calls David into the, the palace basically to be there. And David played music and was a servant, did some other things, and he grew up alongside Saul's son, Jonathan. So what, a, what an interesting thing. David's a shepherd boy, anointed king, and now he's growing up in the palace next to the heir apparent, Jonathan, who should have been the, the next king. And they become the best of friends. And there's something in David that Saul doesn't like. See, Saul at one point was following the Lord, but at this point he had almost gone mad. He had turned jealous and envious of David and, and created a plan to kill him, but Jonathan helped him escape. And David and Saul warred for years and years. And finally, David defeated Saul. And this is where we pick up in 2 Samuel chapter 9. I'm just going to read through this and, and share a few th thoughts. I'm a pretty simple guy, so I hope something, something sticks with you today. It says in chapter 9. David said, is there still someone, still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David. And the king said to him, are you Ziba? He said, I am your servant. And the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show kindness, show him kindness of God? Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, he's in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel at Lodabar. And King David sent him, brought him from the house of Machir, the son of Amiel at Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came before David and fell on his face and paid homage. And he said, Mephibosheth, David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, do not fear, for I will show you the kindness for, Jonathan's, for your father Jonathan's sake. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage again and said, what is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? Lord, I pray that you would use your word as only you can to minister to your people this morning in Jesus' name. There's a few interesting points here. So David, at this point, like I said, defeated Saul. He was in the height of his kingdom. 
Some uh, scholars say his kingdom flourished tenfold from 6,000 square feet to 60,000 square miles. Excuse me, square miles. He's in the pinnacle of his kingship, wealth, influence. He was even beloved by his nation. He was living in what God promised him years ago when he was just a shepherd boy. And he does something interesting. He pauses and reflects in the midst of all this beauty and glory, and he looks back at the past. And in verse one, he says, is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. You see, in the Old Testament and really throughout ancient history, when a new king would take power or, or defeat a king, they would typically eliminate that king's family. It was almost as a way to, to avoid any uprising, a rebellion, or any challenger against their, that new king's lineage. So I'm sure David's servants at this time were thinking, yes, it's time that Saul pays for what he did to you. They must have been astonished by David's response. He said, is there anyone that I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? And I'm by no means a Greek or Hebrew scholar, so bear with me. But that word kindness there, it means hased, or the word is hased. It's a word that describes God's steadfast, committed mercy and loving kindness towards his people. Throughout the Old Testament, God would bless his people. They would turn. and He would continue to show them hased and pursue them. Show them kindness. So David said, is there anyone that I can show Hased from Saul's household? And he tells us why for Jonathan's sake. Like I said, Jonathan and David grew up together and became the best of friends. And, and Jonathan knew that Saul was going to try to kill David. First Samuel chapter 20, Jonathan basically helps David escape. And they have this interesting moment where Jonathan says, David, I'm not only saving your life because I love you, but I'm saving your life because I know one day you're gonna be king. I know God has anointed you king. I see the same presence of God on you that I saw or that was on my father when he started. And I know that he's gonna wipe out your enemies and you will be king. So please, whenever you're king, show kindness to me and my family. So we fast forward to this, more, this moment where David's reflecting. And in, in verse three, it's interesting. This is kind of the introduction of Mephibosheth. But I'm gonna say that name like 30 times, so bear with me. So Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. What a way to introduce somebody. It's like, he didn't say his name. He didn't say anything about Saul or he's a, he's a former uh, son of a king. He just said, the guy's crippled in his feet. It's almost like, David, I know you wanna do this kindness thing and you wanna you know, be good because you've got everything going right now, but this guy is not the guy to show kindness to. This is not glamorous. It will not elevate your image as a strong king, but David, being David, says, bring him. In verse five, then King David sent and brought him from the house of Machir, the son of Amiel at Lodabar. This word Lodabar is interesting. So Mephibosheth, the grandson of a king, is living in a place called Lodabar, it means a place of no pasture. It's dead. There's no word of God, there's another translation. The Palestinian wasteland, it's barren, it's lonely. There's no fruit, but you know what? It's a great place to hide. The son of a king living on the backside of a desert wasteland, fearing for his life. I have this, uh, this buddy, his name's Michael, and uh, Michael was the best man at my wedding. I've known him for 10 plus years or so. And, and uh, Michael's an ex-Navy SEAL. So he, he's just, 
He's a guy that cannot work out for six months and then the next day he'll go run a, you know, a marathon and like place in his, his age group. And here I am with a, you know, broken ankle kind of guy. But, um, but we have this, this uh, desire for adventure and we've, we've been on a number of adventures together. And, and one of which was quite memorable. Uh, Michael wanted to go to Zion National Park in Utah. And I was like, yeah, sounds great um, to do some canyoneering and we get out there and we go to this rental place to get all the gear because we didn't have all the gear and we just thought we could show up and it's no problem. We're athletes, you know? Um, so we get there, we tell the guy which canyons we want to do. And of course it's like the, the Mac Daddy Canyon. And he, uh, he looks at us and he's like, well, how long are you going to be here? We're like, we got 48 hours. So we want to do as many as we can. And he's like, you're not going to do that. I'm like, what do you mean? We're here to rent the gear and go. And he's like, you got to go through a day course to even for us even to legally rent you this gear. And long story short, he squished into a half a day for us and we got, you know, learned how to do some knots and other things. And the next day we go into Mystery Canyon is what it was called. And you have this long hike, you get up to the top of the canyon, you look down and it's just magical. But the descent in is this 45 degree angle with almost like a gravel slide. So you're just sliding down on your hands and feet, trying not to turn into a snowball of gravel on the way down. And we get down, do a couple rappels, 20, 30 feet, and we're like, this is easy. That guy wasted our time, you know? And then we get to the big rappel that takes you to the, the middle of the canyon. And you walk on this rock ledge and you're just holding on to this little rope and you look down, you gotta fasten some ropes and do some things and descend 150 feet into this freezing cold pool of dead water, basically. And then we get through that and we're just standing there in the heart of the canyon, walls as high as you can see, no one's around. If you get hurt, you're out of luck. There's just no way to get you down or up or, or back down safely because there's some more big drops. And we kind of had this just unique moment. We just like stopped. It was just almost like the sound of the canyon. And we just look at each other. And it was like nothing I've experienced before. It was, it was life, but it was also quite eerie knowing that no one can get us out of here. We've got to get out of here ourselves. It almost reminds me of Mephibosheth being in Lodabar on the backside of a desert alone and somehow David finds him there you ever been there somehow God finds you in places you never thought he would and in verse 6 when Mephibosheth son of Jonathan the son of Saul came to David he bowed down and paid homage that word literally mean he, he prostrated himself as flat as he could go if I didn't think I'd roll off the stage I'd probably try to do that as as a way to show that this morning and again in verse 8 after David blesses him, he bows down and pays, pays homage again because David showed him, has said, the kindness of God. And it's interesting that he falls twice. So we're going to look at that a little bit closer, but it's like, why not just fall once? Like, just pay homage and you're done. You know, it's, it's kind of redundant. But if you look at it closer, it's almost an extraordinary picture of God's kindness by looking at the reasons he falls twice. Mephibosheth fell down the first time because of mercy. He fell down the second time because of grace. See, I tend to use those interchangeably, like mercy and grace. You know, grace is just a more fancy word for mercy. But the more I looked at this, the more I realized that they're, they're quite different. You see, mercy is not receiving the punishment that I deserve. And grace is receiving the good that I don't deserve. Mephibosheth fell down because of mercy. He fell down because of grace. And what a narrative. If you don't get anything else today, get that, that Mephibosheth is a picture of the sinner. He's a picture of me. 
David is a picture of the Lord and Jonathan is a picture of our Savior, Jesus. We're able to come to, to the Lord because of what Christ did on the cross for us. Mephibosheth was able to come to the table and receive mercy and grace because of his father, Jonathan. So let's look a little closer at mercy. He fell down because of mercy, because he knew he was condemned. The reasons is Mephibosheth's name literally means out of the mouth of shame. His name means shame. He was Saul's grandson because of the torture that Saul did to David. And now that David was king, basically by right of his birth, he should have been condemned and, and died. He was dropped as a child. The scripture referred to him as cripple, lame in both feet. We learn why in 2 Samuel chapter 4, and this is very interesting. It is Jonathan, the son of Saul, had a son who was crippled in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Jonathan and Saul came to, from Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and fled. And as she fled in her haste, he fell and became lame. Basically, she dropped him. Most scholars think that he broke both legs and there wasn't an orthopedic surgeon around every corner at that point to fix them. His very ailments alienated him in that time. He grows up without a father, living in fear for his life in Lodabar. That'd be like us being in Tallahassee, King David being in Tallahassee, and he's down in the Everglades. Position, he felt dead, as good as dead. In verse eight, he says, he called himself a dead dog. He was deceived. He believed that King David wanted him dead. No matter how far he got away, he could not escape the feeling of being condemned. So because of that kindness, he fell because of mercy. This is a little bit heavy, so bear with me just for a moment, but we also, like Mephibosheth, are con condemned from birth. We're born into sin, as scripture says in Ephesians 2, 3, born in deserving wrath. In Psalm 51, it says, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. We've been crippled by the fall of Adam, 1 Corinthians 12, 22, and Adam all die. Mephibosheth understood mercy. It was his only hope. We need to understand that without Christ, we have no hope. In fact, in Romans 10, 9, it says, the first thing you do, you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and we no longer are. You see, I like grace. Grace is nice. It's like, give me that good stuff I don't deserve. Mercy, I'm not a big fan of because it implies that there's some kind of punishment for my sin and that I'm hopeless without Christ. It's not glamorous, but it's, it's necessary. The grace of a holy God can only be received by a humble person as Mephibosheth demonstrated. Even in James 4, 6, it says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We don't get the grace without humbly embracing God's mercy. Mephibosheth bowed and received mercy. Then the beautiful, wonderful grace of God is revealed in David's response. In verse seven, it says, do not fear for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. David not only held back wrath that he deserved, but he showed him mercy. And on top of that, he poured out the grace restoring to him his rightful place. So why would King David do this? We, we saw it because of his relationship with Jonathan, their friendship, but also more importantly, they made a covenant. When Jonathan saved David's life, he made him promise and make a covenant that he would protect him and his family. In fact, they make three covenants together in, in 1 Samuel. 
It was more than a contract. It wasn't like, hey, let's sign this thing together. I'm, I'll do this and you do this and that's your contract together. A covenant meant no matter what, I will keep the whole thing if I have to. It was because of the covenant with King David and Jonathan that he showed Mephibosheth mercy and grace. And just like Christ has a covenant with the Lord because of the price he paid on the cross 2,000 years ago, if you've never heard the gospel, it's as simple as that, that, that Christ Jesus came, he became fully man and fully God. He lived a perfect life and died on the cross to receive the wrath and the punishment and the condemnation that we deserve because of our sinful nature that we might be not only uh, saved, but also restored and redeemed. In Ephesians 4.32, it says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. We receive that mercy and grace in Christ. We don't get the punishment we deserve and we get the good that we don't deserve. This must have been music to Mephibosheth's ears. Here he was, reminded his entire life of his past. Every day, this, I mean, this wasn't meant to be a prop, but it's, <laughs> it's about as close as I could get. Um, it's funny, the irony involved in this, but every day, I'm sure he had some form of crutch or something to help him move from one place to the other because he was lame in both feet, as the scripture said. He was reminded every day of not only his past, but also the present that he lived in. And here he comes all the way from Lodabar, and he, not, he doesn't receive condemnation, but he receives mercy and grace in the form of these three things. And I think there's a slide on it. Fellowship, fortune, and family. So he has fellowship with the king. He's no longer isolated, but he's welcomed and cared for. He receives fortune. David says, I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father. And he goes another step. He says, you know what? You might not be able to take care of this land, but I'm gonna give you servants to work the fields and to make sure it's sustained. He had a renewed legacy. And most importantly, he had family. In verse 11, it says, so Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. See, meals were, were much more, not that they're not now, but very intimate and meaningful in those days. You just didn't get a, ta a seat at the table with the, the king. And he takes it to the next level and says, you know what, I will restore to you what is mine. You can have it as a son. He adopted him as a son for Jonathan's sake. What a beautiful, beautiful story. And it's our story with Christ, if you will, if we can draw that parallel that we are condemned and broken in our sin, but when we come to him, we receive mercy and grace and we get to come and sit at the king's table. And if I can just share for a moment, personally, my own story, um, We didn't necessarily go to church growing up, but uh, life was pretty rough. And my parents ended up divorcing at, at 16. And my mom is a, a saint from heaven, but my father, God rest his soul, he just struggled. He was, he was broken and, and crippled in ways like Mephibosheth. And just like I was and, and struggled with addiction and, and, and there was some violence and some other things. And, and I left that time frame. I left that you know, 15, 16 year old time frame onward, very broken. It's about the time that I read this story. That's why it's, it's, uh, it's quite meaningful to me because I just sat there reading it and, and the imagery of, 
of Mephibosheth's brokenness being not of his own doing. Somebody literally dropped him as a child and it caused him all this pain and struggle for years. And, 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 and I'm sure that many of you today are, have had that experience or maybe even are going through it. And, and thank God for uh, godly men in my life, Mario, Joe Carloni, Wes Batiste, I can name these people that God brought to help bring restoration, good friendships. But I can tell you that the, the main thing that, that brought restoration in my soul and redeem my life was coming to the table of the king day in and day out. It might have been a struggle for Mephibosheth, and I'm going to read a little ending story here shortly, but it might have been a struggle for him to get there every morning with his crutches. It was probably awkward. Everybody's sitting there waiting on him, and here he is clumping his way to the table, but he kept coming day after day because he knew his rightful place as a son. So a few questions for you. Have you been dropped? Maybe your parents, spouse, family, employer, culture, education, whatever it may be, know that there is mercy and grace at the king's table for you. Are you in need of salvation and restoration? God's mercy and grace is available to those who fall twice. You acknowledge your need for mercy and grace. You don't have to be special. There's nothing special about you and and what you need to be to come to this table. You don't have to prove anything. You don't have to earn or deserve it. It just requires you to receive mercy and grace. Can you bow twice? There's this beautiful uh, picture that kind of sums this up from Chuck Swindoll's book, The Great Awakening, and he paints it perfectly. It says, imagine a typical scene several years later, the dinner bell rings through the king's palace and King David comes to the head of the table and sits down. In a few moments, Amnon, clever, crafty Amnon, sits to the left of David. Lovely, gracious Tamar and charming, beautiful young woman sits beside Amnon. Then across the way, King Solomon walks slowly from his study, precautious, brilliant, preoccupied Solomon. The heir apparent slowly sits down and Absalom, handsome, winsome Absalom, with beautiful flowing hair, black as a raven, down to his shoulders, sits down. In this particular evening, Joab, the courageous warrior and commander of the troops, has been invited to dinner. Muscular bronze Joab is seated near the king. Afterward, they wait. They hear the shuffling of feet, the clump, clump, clump of the crutches as Mephibosheth rather awkwardly finds his way at the table and slips into his seat. And the tablecloth covers his feet. I ask you, Did Mephibosheth understand grace? If you would, just close your eyes with me for a moment. I pray that some of this imagery has impacted your heart and and I would be remiss if I just didn't take a moment to just see if there's someone here today that hasn't ever come to the table that hasn't come to the Lord, that hasn't received Christ as their savior to receive salvation and redemption, to receive mercy and grace. And with every head bowed, I close. If, if you're here today and that's the first time you've heard the gospel or, or if you've just never decided to give your heart to Christ, would you just slip up your hand for me? Nobody's looking around. Wonderful. And if you're here today and you 
Maybe you feel broken, maybe you feel dropped or still feel in some ways crippled socially, socially, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Maybe you feel just beat up and you've come to the table but you just are in need of restoration. Would you slip your hand up for me? I see that hand, see that hand, see that hand, thank you, they're all over. Just want to invite Mario up, and as I do that, I want to just say a prayer. I just feel so strongly that as I was trying to pray and honestly process this myself, and just keep your eyes closed if you will. that if there's some of you here that are are just broken and hurting, that I just pray if nothing else, you're reminded today of the goodness and the grace of the Lord, that he loves you, that there is a seat at his table for you, that not only does he give you mercy, but he came to give you life and life more abundantly. And through a long devotion, the same direction as Mephibosheth kept coming to the table day after day to sit with the king, I pray that you would have renewed strength envision to continue to do the same thing as you were viewed as a son and a daughter of his all of his land is yours all of his servants are everything is yours you are sons and daughters of the king so lord i pray that you would bless your people i pray that as only you can do that your your presence would fill this place and touch their hearts i pray that you would give them renewed vision of who they are in you to continue to come to the table, to continue to, to find you as their source. I pray that you bring healing in marriages and relationships and depression and wounds that only you can see. I pray that you bring healing and restoration to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, Corey. Let's give Corey a nice hand. Powerful, uh, powerful message. Thank you. And, and not only, and as you know, we've said this in the past, as, as people who come and preach God's word, we are looking more for application than applause. And I pray that you go home and you recognize God's grace and mercy in our lives. And uh, I think all of us can resonate about um, being dropped. You know, I think all, yeah. all of us have some sort of experience where, uh, we're broken, and and uh, th- to be to be invited to the king's table and to be taken care of. Uh, what a powerful message! And I pray that you are challenged by that this morning. If at any time you feel like you know you need to talk to someone, uh, the best way to get a hold of me or anyone in our church is just through a text or an email, um, and we'll get back. We don't really have an office phone, so email and text would be a great way. We would love to walk with you and and help you in your journey with Jesus. Uh, We're all broken. I think if you're here long enough, I know that Austin is not here this morning, but uh, from church, we talk about our brokenness. um, And that helps uh, only to be honest and and before the Lord. And also I think to encourage people that all of us are walking around with a limp. um, And because of Christ, uh, we get to enjoy his grace and mercy, uh, fellowship, fortune, and family. That's awesome. 
I just want to make sure he knew his notes. And so, awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, let's pray. Let's, let's wrap this up. Lord, we say thank you for what you're doing. Lord, we ask the Holy Spirit to not only, uh, Lord, speak to our hearts, but embed this into our souls, oh God, that we would recognize. Uh, Lord, A, if we are um, hurting and we have been hurt, Lord, that we would come to you. Lord, because we already know you came to us. You've already uh, come to us, Lord. You've searched us out. You looked for us and you're calling us. Even right now, maybe someone, you're, the Lord is calling you. And Lord, I pray, God, that we would extend our hand and hold on to yours and Lord, and, and be invited to the king's table. And we say thank you, Father, for your mercy and grace. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. 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 One more thing. Yes, yeah. The most important part that I forgot to mention, just because I'm not a preacher or a great public speaker, so uh, bear with me, but um, this is kind of the part of the test, the most important part of the testimony I forgot. Good job. Um, this year, uh, several years back, I uh, had a conversation with my dad and, and shared some things, and there wasn't complete reconciliation, but it was, it was moving in a positive direction, and I'm, I was just grateful to be able to do that, and we had several great years, and uh, God was redeeming that all along the way, and this last year, he got really sick. Um, we didn't know how bad it was at the time, but uh, back right around Christmas, and he was hospitalized, and within two weeks, he passed away. And uh, myself, my wife, and my brothers, and, and our, our family was, was able just to sit with him, and he, he had come to Christ at that point, and uh, I believe was is in heaven right now, if you will. Um, but it was powerful because all of us had some form of brokenness associated with it, but we're able to sit there by the grace of God and, and show him said that, that kindness that I was talking about and literally held his hand until his, his last breath, if you will, and um, God's re redemptive story. Though I was very broken, lots of healing took place because of God's grace and mercy in my life. And, and uh, I don't know, that's the, the positive ending, if you will, that I forgot to share. <laughs> So thanks for listening. I appreciate it. You know, that. listen, when you get up here and then uh, you finish and then you go home and you're like, oh, I forgot those lines, you know, and so it happens to all of us. Um, what a great uh, picture and image of your family being there with your dad at those last moments. And uh, I appreciate that testimony and sharing that. Amen. Hey, let's, uh, may the Lord be with you. He is risen. God bless you. We are dismissed. We want to thank you for listening. We pray that you were blessed and encouraged. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to this podcast and listen whenever you like. To find out more about Mosaic Church, please visit www.mosaicchurchtlh.com.